Ever heard a joke and wondered, did that really happen? My name's Neil Mackay, host of a Vietnam podcast and a comedian. Long before I ever started comedy, when I heard comedians tell the craziest, funniest stories, I would always wonder just this. And if I got the chance to meet them after the show, I would always ask them straight away, did that really happen? Nine times out of ten, the answer was yes. But the difference between sharing a funny story with friends and telling it on stage is a comedian's ability to take those moments and craft them into a well-worked joke. In each episode of this podcast, we'll talk to comedians from around the world, play you one of their favourite jokes, then ask them, did that really happen? My guest today hails from Los Angeles, California, with a look that can be best described as ambiguously Southeast Asian. Matt Tran is a fresh-faced comedian in the Saigon scene performing for a year now, and he's constantly looking for the funny and embarrassing moments, absurd shower thoughts, and more. So, let's listen to his joke. My family, the refugees from here, which is, which is cool, they never let me forget. There's something interesting about growing up with like poor immigrant families. For one thing, your shit ain't shit. Like, like they don't care. Especially with my dad. Everything to him is a competition. The guy's just smoking a cigarette, just like, Ooh, my man, it don't fucking matter, okay? Who can? You were lying. That's all that matters. Okay, who had worse? Who had worse? Like, I remember I had a fire drill at school. I was a very little child. I was scared of this fire drill. I told my dad. He goes, <laughs> Fire drill, huh? Why are you scared, son? You know, my daddy, baby, we have no fire drill. We have fire village, okay? No fire drill. She ain't give us no fire drill. Jesus. Uh, in America, growing up as an Asian kid, I'm targeted with every single small dick joke. Every single I know all of them, all right? It's offensive. I told my dad this. I was like, Dad, everyone at school is making fun of me. They think I have a small dick. My dad's just like, no, my come on, man. You don't got small dick. Daddy got big dick. If you got small dick, that's your problem. Okay? You got small dick, you blame your mother. Boy, I got small dick gene. So, Matt, did that really happen? Surprisingly, no. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, it didn't really happen. It's it, it was built for comedy, right? So I feel like I can stretch the truth when it comes to telling jokes because at the end of the day, you know, your job as a comedian is to get people to laugh. So knowing who I am and figuring out, okay, this is these are things that actually do happen. And there are some aspects of it where I've had moments, but they're obviously not that exaggerated. You know, <laughs> it's it's just a fun little thing that I like to just do. You know what's even funnier? My dad doesn't even have an accent. No. Yeah. He doesn't oh even have an goodness. accent. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, that's not even his real accent at all. <laughs> just like the funniest bar of I just imagine your dad. So that character is, is not even your dad? It's not even my dad. No. No. It's But it's a character that I, I like to play just because I can do the accent. 
and I'm like, all right, well, the accent is is a is a is a is a ringer. You know what I mean? It's like it's like the card you play, right? <laughs> so I was like, all right, I've had to do the accent, but where do I put it? You know what I mean? Like, how do I build this character? I was like, oh, I'll just it'll be my dad. Okay, all right, we'll, we'll do that. And then so it started off from like, okay, because originally it was actually my mom. Yeah. So growing up with my mom, my mom would be the one that always competes with with us, like me and my siblings, on on who's had it worse, you know, who's had it better. And it was originally my mom, but I couldn't do my mom's. I couldn't. I, I couldn't figure out how to do like a like a female accent, and, it's, and my mom doesn't even have an accent. <laughs> so it was just building up this thing, and I like I can do this dude's accent. All right, I'll just switch out as my dad. And I was like, all right, what what are some tags that I can say? What are what are some funny things that I can pull from like history and like you know what what my mom has said before? And like, okay, how can I do it in in this accent instead? So, yeah, I mean, sorry to break it to anyone, but yeah, that that's not it's not real. But that's great because that that's one of the few on this whole season, this whole podcast so far that has not happened at all. Normally, everyone has has been yes, mm-hmm. or based on reality. So, how did you then tell me then what's your thought process? How do you come up with jokes? How did you come up with that joke? Right, I wanted to explain the concept of the the struggle competition. Right, like my family. They're, they're immigrants from Vietnam and they came to the country poor. And there is this thing where, you know, we do compare our, our lifestyles, right? I, it, I hear it from, from every angle, aunt, uncle, cousin, you're spoiled, you know, you're so spoiled back when I was in Vietnam or when I was growing up, this and that, right? So there is some like little bit of truth, but really it just comes down to, Okay, how I, how can I condense it? How can I exaggerate it? You know, how can I make it ridiculous? And that's that's really like the idea of the joke. But it was it was really like I sat down with Thomas, who's another comedian out here, and I was like, okay, I have I have these things, right? It's in the ether, but how do I put it together in a way that you know I can make it funny? And so we workshopped it, and he was saying like, yeah, like okay, well let's let's talk about that fire drill thing, right? Like what would be funny? So I was, you know, we were just like ham-fisted, just trying to like you know say stupid shit while I was in that accent, you know. And then <laughs> and then when and then out of nowhere, I said like, oh, fire village, you know. And then that's where that's where he just busted up laughing, and I was like, okay, all right, I'm gonna keep that. I'm gonna hold that in there. <laughs> I had one, I was recently, so I, I never get a chance to do that workshop with other people. What I do with my wife, you know, Adri, obviously, mm-hmm. she is not a comedian, but she's just a comedy genius and she knows comedy so well and, and she is great at like putting things together. So I'll often bounce ideas off of her and more not often, nearly every time I'm like, hey, Adri, I thought of this, say it to her. And she'd be like, yeah, but that's not a joke. And I'm like, no, but that's, this is the idea. I said, that's the idea for the joke. Now we're going to come up with, make it a joke, right? But I was having food with Wayne, one year west, who, you know, before a show one time, he was eating food and I came up with this joke about, which I ended up, I've dropped it because I tried it several times and it just never got the reaction that I wanted. So I was like, but when I told it to him the first time, I was like, right, I've got this idea that, you know, the war in Ukraine doesn't surprise me because it's not the first time that a white guy has entered without consent. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, Wayne was eating a burger and he spat it out and laughed so hard. I was like, oh, yes, that's a winner. And then he was like, you should add to it. Yeah, and then he got there, shot his load everywhere and left. <laughs> yeah, that's a good tag. Yeah. So and it's great, though, when you when you do talk to other comedians or other people. My wife's not a comedian, but she's the best one to talk to. When it, it heightens your joke and gives you new ideas, right? Exactly. Exactly. So I took that on stage, and obviously the first reaction was like, oh, white guy entering without consent was like, ooh. And I was like, ah, yeah, I know, like, you kind of expect that reaction, but then would follow up. And again, it never really got a laugh. So, and I remember right in the beginning, someone gave me the advice that try a joke three times, three different audiences, and if it still doesn't work, then either drop it or change it, you know, like, right. just let it go. Yeah. So that was in my head, and so I think I tried it three or four times. And every time, just never got the reaction that I, I never got the the Wayne spitting the food out. <laughs> never got that like fun reaction. So eventually, yeah, I just dropped that one. Yeah, I mean, it's just tough. You know, the one I, I was at the bar, I was at a bar the other day, and I told the guy that I was sitting next to because he was asking what I was writing. I was like, "Oh, I do stand up here." Biggest mistake because the whole time he was pestering me. He's like, "Hey, tell me a joke. Try to say something offensive about me." And I'm like, dude, I, I don't want to say, I don't want to do any of that. You know what I mean? It goes back to your joke about the whole like, oh, what do you do? Oh, want to do business analyst for me? Like you want to, you know, pull my teeth like right here, right now. Yeah. yeah. I don't get it too often, but I think I was just telling you last night how I now often get it, which comedians get a lot and I've never really had it. But recently I've been getting that a lot. Something happens and they're like, you should use this. Oh, there's a bit for you. And right. I'm like, yeah, okay. It's always the people who don't do it that has the most advice for you, right? Yeah. And then I was just like, okay, man, like whatever. But anyway, it going back to like talking about brainstorming and, and kind of shooting joke ideas with like other comedians and stuff like that. It's a, I think it's a very important process, especially if you have jokes that like, I have this idea or I have a peeve, but I don't know how to set it up properly. And as long as you come in, no ego, right? And just find a way to like you know build it in your voice as well that's the other thing some people can tell a great joke but it's in their their character and their voice so it was it's it's always finding that balance but you can always take something from another comedian that gives you a little tag or a little line and go okay i'm gonna add that and sometimes you you can take it from friends as well i think Mm. i told you as well so the joke i've been doing recently again this really happened I got my phone robbed, I got pickpocketed, then I went to the local police station here in Vietnam. And anyone listening who lives in Vietnam, you may or may not know, I didn't know at the time, you can't enter a police station with shorts on. Yeah. And so they wouldn't let me in to report a crime. So that whole has become like a bit, and it's scarily, it's scary how basically I'm just telling exactly what happened. I have obviously added <laughs> in like tags and, and punchlines and whatnot. But I was telling this story to a friend just a couple of weeks ago and she just went, well, what if they stole your trousers? <laughs> and I laughed so hard that I was like, I'm using that. Like, you know, I'm, I'm, and so I've been using it. I've added that That's to right. the joke. And it yeah. gets such a big laugh. And I almost feel guilty. I didn't write that line. Right. But she's not a comedian. It's not like, a, and even if you do, like you're saying, workshop with other mm-hmm. comedians, they'll often give you lines, right? They'll be like, yeah. you know how to use this? Like that's. Because mm-hmm. I think, you know, we have an understanding that we we were up on stage to be funny. You know what I mean? And I think the there is some ego to, oh, I wrote this joke. I made it up on, you know, on my own and and it kills, right? And then to have someone else's joke or someone else's tag added in and then it gets a bigger laugh. There is that feeling of like, 
okay, you know, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't write that. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't write that. But I got a big laugh. So you're like, <laughs> yes, yeah. But, you know, you can ask Adri. She tells me all the time. I do all these jokes on stage and she'll be like, that's my joke. Right, right. That was my story. I told you that. I told, I'm, like, I'm like, no, you didn't. I'm it. And then I'm like, oh, you know, you did tell me that one. Like one of the jokes I do, you know, I say about how the difference, I try to ask for bunti nung, uh-huh. which means nung means horny. Yeah. Nung means grilled. Right. So the joke is, you know, I, I asked, tried to ask for noodles and I asked for the wrong thing and the, the woman gets mad. So that, that never happened. I made that up. But she was the one that told me, She's like, oh, if you'd say noon wrong mm-hmm. and you say noon, it means homey instead of grilled. Yeah. So she told me that part of it. But I made up the joke. I made up the story. I perform it. But like often she'd be like, How is my- I told you that. <laughs> like, That's so great. <laughs> it's same thing with me and, and my fiance. She actually helped me craft one of my most recent jokes about like saving a girl where a bus was coming towards her and then like a truck driver came out and stuff. And I was like, this needs something. This needs a little something at the end. And she's like, what if like everyone on the bus died? <laughs> I was like, oh, okay. Let me add that. And it crushes every time. And I'm just, I always go back and like, thank you. Thank you, Annie. <laughs> we'll see you right now. Thank you, Adri. Thank you, Annie. There thank you go. so much. We'll give you credit. We'll credit you. It's like they say, there's always a good woman behind, a better woman behind a good guy, right? It's, mm-hmm. it's totally true. But even sometimes jokes just write themselves, I think. So recently... I I I try, I try my best not to go down that trope of like my wife, but recently it's come, it's more and more coming up. But no, I try not to do the whole like be disparaging about your wife more, make right. a comment about being married or, or whatnot. And I, I said to Adrian this was just the other day, I said, you know, I'm trying to think of a bit about how you give the illusion of choice. Where I don't know if Annie does this. She's like, do you want Thai food or do you want Mexican? We're like, oh, you know, I could eat Mexican food, but you know, we we ate Mexican food last week, so we we should get Thai, right? And you're like. Why did you give me the choice? Just <laughs> right. say, like, let's go for Thai food. And so I went to the store just like yesterday, the day before, mm-hmm. and I went to get Amiflu, you know, and I said, I said, oh, can I get Amiflu? And she said, oh, do you want day or night? I said, oh, oh give me one of each. We only have day. <laughs> like, okay, that's the second part of my joke then. Thank you. You've just made like, I can then use that. I was like, why did you offer me both? Yeah, yeah. They only had one anyway. Yeah, I was like, illusion of choice. <laughs> right, right. Well, I mean, that's that's great. And you know, for me, I actually have a hard time finding jokes observationally. Yeah, a lot of the jokes that I that I've created, it just comes from just trying to trying to imagine funny moments because my my day to day life is actually pretty boring. Yeah, like you will imagine. It's very shocking that like a lot of my jokes, they don't actually happen. Yeah, I just I was gonna say that now you've got I'm thinking about all your bits. Yeah, mm-hmm. most of them are like you've just this this story about the bus. Yeah, like <laughs> it's kind of clearly not true. But and I think even yeah, I was saying in the beginning, you are you're so funny, and you're almost like a, one of the most traditional stand ups here in Saigon. I think where you have it's made up basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it's made up. But see, and that's I think that's the thing where. Or I'm actually jealous of you guys because you guys can pull funny things out of your life, right? In little moments. For me, I'm I'm sitting there thinking like, how do I how do I make anything in my life hilarious? <laughs> I have nothing funny going on. So I do sit and do a lot of writing, mm. and I'm pretty I'm, I'm I won't say prolific, but I do have a process. My my writing is I, I look at it like a marketer, or like I analyze my my sets and stuff. 
So when I do open mics, I just have a bunch of jokes written out. And then the ones that hit, I have it like on an Evernote, right? And I have it highlighted. Okay, where did they laugh? Can the setup be shorter? All right, I'm going to try to cut the setup much shorter. And then, and then can I add a tag after this punchline? And then they're all highlighted. And then the way I look at joke writing and set building is figuring out how much laughs I can get per minute. Yeah, so if I can build up a solid minute and, and then constantly put a strong minute after a strong minute after a strong minute, I, I'll have a pretty good set. That That's how I kind of want to think about how I build my comedy sets. That is incredible. Yeah. Like, I wish I could do that <laughs> because that's, that's like, I love systems. I love, yeah. you know, like you, systems are repetitive and you can follow them. Mm-hmm. That is amazing. Yeah. I mean, I give myself a KPI. I mean, for, for marketers out there, a KPI is a key performance indicators and that's, you know, I look at comedy in the same way and then going out every open mic and just like practicing new bits or like trying to, you know, the other terms, A-B testing, right? <laughs> yeah. Like taking this joke with this punchline. Okay. It didn't work. Let me, let me, let me do this joke with a different punchline. Same setup. Did that work? Okay. I'm going to put that in. You're a comedic robot. That is amazing. <laughs> that, but I'd love to do that. That's Yeah. Yeah. Because otherwise I'm up there and I'm just trying to figure out what to say and if I fumble the setup, then the punchline doesn't hit well. So I I look at my jokes and I try to condense it as much as possible because I want to get the laugh. I think for me, I just have an insecurity when I talk too much and no one's reacting. The audience is just staring at me. I, I get, I you know, like I start panicking. So like I need the laugh to, even for me, to like release my tension. And then I go like, okay, cool. Laugh happened. All right, let's, let's go to the next one. Yeah, so that's that's how I kind of build the, the set. So Knowing that the joke that we just heard, they get a laugh with the accent. I'm like, okay, how many times can I do this? And you know, the rule of three, mm-hmm. I try to do a scenario and then and then have a funny reaction with the with the with the with the accent, right? I've only have two. I'm still trying to find that third one. I, I did the third one a couple of times. It doesn't really hit as well. So I am finding like I'm trying to find what that third one is. Me, this is why you are so funny, and you've only been doing it a year. That is just <laughs> amazing because yeah. I- I wonder if this is what, apart from the fear factor of getting on stage and talking to people, I wonder if that's what holds back a lot of people from starting comedy who want to do it. Mm-hmm. As you're talking about you know, finding your voice, I remember before I ever started and just running through bits in my head or jokes, imagining myself on stage, but I could never imagine what I sounded like or, or I would hear my voice and be like, that's not you. Like, who is that person that you're imagining on stage? Like, that's not your voice talking. And then... I read something not long after I started. I think it, it says it was by Bill Hicks, but I've never fact-checked that it was actually said by Bill Hicks. But he said, you, there's only one of you, mm-hmm. so don't try and be anyone else. Right. Just be yourself, and you've got the market sewn up for you. I actually heard, yeah, that that's actually a really good advice. And, you know, I try to think about that too in terms of what my voice is. And I'm, try, I'm, and I'm still building it. I've only been in it for a year. But I think it was either Joey Diaz or another comedian they're saying like the you should be the person on stage where you felt the most funniest amongst your your your, your group of friends right like when you're hanging out with a group of friends and everyone's just busting up laughing and one joke after another and you guys are talking about whatever just bullshitting you want to be that version of yourself on stage that way people know that you're a good time you're having a good time and and you can kind of hopefully harness that same energy being amongst friends on stage and the audience can feel that too. Mm. That's 
that's what I've heard so far. It might change, but that's what I'm going to try to develop as I as I continue doing comedy. No, that's great. That's great advice as well. It makes me think. I just did a show last week, and it was really fun. Great audience, and I got a text from Adrian who came off stage, and and she's always giving me like feedback and things, and she's like, "Don't laugh at your own jokes so much," which I don't think I do very often. But it was more I said to her after. I was like, no, it was, I was having such a fun time. Like, I wasn't really laughing at my jokes. I was laughing at them, mm-hmm. laughing at my jokes. Like, they were having such a fun time. So I was just like, couldn't help but join in. So it's kind of like what you were saying. Like, be like, you're with your friends. Like, you know, right. I couldn't imagine being up there, making them all laugh and then just being like. Because mm-hmm. well, you're up there. And like, they, if they know nothing about you, how can you get them on your side the fastest, right? And the only way to do that is, you know, be mates, like ch- chum it up with them. Try to like, you know, uh, tease them a little bit. Get get personal as quick as possible where they can go, I can laugh with this guy, you know, or I can laugh at that gal and and know that I'm going to have a good time. Yeah. So that's, I think, I think it's, that's good feedback, but it's all dependent on the situation. Mm. Yeah. So in terms of your, the way you approach joke writing, have you thought about getting into comedy writing? We'll be right back. Join pilot and adventurer Fernando Pino as he takes you on journeys to discover exciting destinations across the UK and Europe. You'll fly with him to hidden gems and experience local culture, from bustling streets to serene hideaways and the best places to eat, sleep and play. Travel Plans is more than a podcast. It's your ticket to exploring the world and its history with a friend. In this episode, we are flying to discover a beachside paradise perfect for the whole family. Discover golden sands, activities galore, and even free childcare so you get your own break too. (sighs) Why am I still here? That's a good question. Not yet. I think there is aspects of my writing style where I want to utilize it for comedy writing for I don't know like a like a script like short stories and stuff like that is that what you mean yeah or like for a tv show something like that I mean sketch comedy anything like you know yeah I I don't know I I, you know I went to school for film and I I oh wow yeah so I I did take a couple of script writing classes and it's so tough for me I think long form is really hard for me I like I like the punchiness of of comedy like comedy stand up writing more and the be, the ability to like move from subject to subject when you're writing a script you know you're, you you tend to have to like stay within confines of the story but with with joke writing for the stage it's it's you know I mean I have a lot more flexibility and freedom in terms of what I write mm-hmm. so I don't know I, I I would I like the idea of it but I knowing myself I I don't know if I can get myself to that point yeah mm-hmm. and so what are what are your plans for comedy. I'm just going to keep going, man. Like, there's not much more to it. I, I, I love it so much. I, it's to the point now where I love bombing too. Yeah. I'm, you don't bomb. <laughs> I don't see you bomb. <laughs> well, I mean, not like if I do a, if I do like a, like a, like a paid show or like if I'm, if I'm on a, you know, if I'm on a poster or something like that, I come in making sure that I don't bomb. But at open mics, I am so okay with it. Right, because I'm coming in with like rusty ideas, rusty jokes. I'm gonna go up there, no last. Because at this point now, it's nothing personal. You know, I, I'm coming as a as like a craftsman, right? Trying to like, all right, showing off like what can be done. And if I don't get a reaction, 
even even if like a ooh reaction is a good reaction, I can I can build off of that. If I don't get anything, then I'm like, all right, I, I throw it away. I, I try not to ha- hold too many darlings mm. when I when I go up and test material. Very similar and really tough in the beginning, right? But yeah. then you go to open mic with the with the thought in your head, like I'm trying new stuff, so it's okay if it doesn't work. Mm-hmm. But I still don't like it. I still <laughs> really? don't. I still don't like. I still feel like it's not a nice feeling when you're on stage and a joke doesn't land. Mm-hmm. And then I and I'm in football and soccer. Or even any sport, right? I don't know. You probably know the phrase, you're only as good as your last performance. Right, right. And so I feel that in comedy, oh, personally. Okay. I feel like if I have a really good show, I'm on top of the world. And if the last one didn't go as well as I wanted, my confidence is instantly knocked. Mm. I, I feel that like I'm only as good as my last performance. Okay, okay. Quite interesting. So yeah. when, if I don't do well at an open mic, it's okay, but it still affects me. I like, I want to I want to do, <laughs> do well, you know? Yeah. You mentioned earlier as well about laughs per minute. Mm-hmm. So, what do you aim for? If I can get two laughs per minute, I'd say that's a that's a decent minute. I'd say that would be the minimum that I would I would want in a minute. But I've watched, and I even watch other comedians, not here, in, but like on YouTube and stuff. And I would time their minutes as well. And and I look at the laughs. A really good comic can get six laughs per minute, and that's amazing. And I'm still trying to get to that number. I think one of my minutes is like like four laughs, which is pretty good. But I, like that that covenant six, if I get six in a five minute set every minute, I have I have six laughs. Oh man, I'm in heaven. Like that's that's like you know again, that's how I kind of look at comedy, right? Yeah, a lot of people, especially that guy at the bar, he was like, comedy is your perspective plus creativity, and people want to hear your perspective no matter no matter if it's offensive and blah, blah, blah. I'm like, no, man. Comedy is to make people laugh. What are you talking about? <laughs> so I agree 100%. I get so riled up recently when uh, you see some comedians, famous ones pontificating. I think it was Whitney Cummings recently. She did like some tweet about like comedy brings you to places you don't want to go. It's about pushing boundaries and guidelines. Blah, blah. I can't remember the exact tweet, but that was right. like, the theme of it. And then it was Mark Marin responded and he said, you forgot. Funny. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Exactly. And that's for me, is like, I don't really like, I thought in the beginning, because I love Bill Hicks, I love George Carlin. In the beginning, I wanted to be like, you know, bring, talk about hot topics, you know, in a mm-hmm. really intelligent way, but make people laugh, because that was the comedians that I loved did that. So far, after four years, I, I've a couple of jokes maybe do that, but mostly not. And, and I don't really have that in my head that I, I want to do that anymore. Mm-hmm. Maybe I'm just older now, and I can't, I can't believe I'm like, the world's fucked. I don't care anymore. I'm not going to change it with comedy. But now I just want to make people laugh. I just want to be funny. I don't want yeah. to make, take people to new places that they've never been before. I don't want to make them feel uncomfortable. I want them to come out, laugh, and have a good time. Exactly, exactly. And you know what? Maybe down the line, once you build your repertoire of tool sets and skills and experience, you can kind of come in with some of these like maybe like inconvenient truths or or some like real topics, whatever whatever that might be, right? And then because there is this, this idea, Bill Burr does a really good job at it, is that he'll build tension within the audience. Like he'll have them like tighten up and then his joke would absolutely release them, right? And that's the one thing where even I, I look at that and that's still magic to me, mm. you know? And that's what's great about comedy. Like no matter how often you're on stage and you're trying it, there's still a magic there that a lot of people have that you're trying to crack that code. And that's the one thing I'm like, I wanna, I wanna get people like, ooh, tense in their seat. And then, and then just out of nowhere, like hit him with the left field and just go, oh. <laughs> and I was going to add 
I remember not long after it first started, someone said to me that that number you just said, I think they said five, maybe six. They're mm-hmm. like, you want to aim for this per minute? And I remember thinking, I've probably only done it like two or three times. I remember thinking, there is no, what? There's no way I can get people to laugh five times a minute. What? But now I don't count. I wish I did. I, I want to go back. I'm going to listen to my last set and see. Do you like listening? Wait, real quick. Do you like listening to your to your sets? I'm a, I'm a very strange person. I enjoy listening to myself. <laughs> yeah, it's weird. Like I, I sometimes I listen a little bit too long, and I'm like, oh, okay, I'm sick of my own voice. But because I podcast, I do. That's true. I, I do comedy. Yeah, I I quite enjoy it. But there's that five minutes. I was like, that's impossible. Like, what? There's no way you can do that. And the difference I see between new comics or comedians that maybe aren't particularly funny and and people like yourself who I think are hilarious and other comedians who I think are so funny is the amount of times they make you laugh. And I, I do listen to that. I don't actually write it down or time it, but you can just get a feel for it. You're like, he made me laugh like one, two, three. He's constant. Or she, sorry, he or she are constantly making me laugh. That's a good comedian. Mm-hmm. And I notice when other people... The setup's too long. I once, one of my biggest inspirations for doing comedy is bad comedy. JK asked me this recently when we were doing a podcast together. He said, did, did watching people do bad comedy or watching people bomb make you want to do comedy? And I hadn't thought about it. And then I was like, oh, yeah, actually, yeah, I would watch people do really badly. And you'd be like, I can do better than this. And he was like, yeah. And I was like, so I watched this. One girl here in Saigon, this was years ago, uh-huh. do a 15-minute setup for one punchline, and it wasn't even funny. There was no funniness through the setup. She was just telling this long story. Do you know what? I don't I've never really shared this publicly. My friend who was with me went to the bathroom and just sat on the toilet. No way. <laughs> Afterwards, he told me, he's like, I just had to leave. So he just went and got out of the room. And that was, I was like, yeah. I, I can do it. I, I need to do this. Like, I want to be, I want to do comedy. Or I wanted to host. I think it was, I was like, right, I'm going to start hosting shows. He wasn't taking a shit or anything like that? No, no, he just went and sat in the toilet just oh. to get out of the room. Because it, yeah. it, it, it was terrible. 15 minutes. He'd rather smell shit than yeah, exactly, <laughs> see the shit exactly. on this. And the last thing. thing I was going to add was, so the last comedy competition that we had here, and mm-hmm. that, um, my idea, I wanted to do something to stand out. I wanted to be, you know, one of the things I think they look for is like star quality or something like that. And I wanted to do it and I, I tested it at an open mic that I was going to start and say, okay, this is a comedy competition. I have to make you laugh. I'm going to make you laugh 15 times in five minutes, which is still only three per minute. It's not very much. But I was like, I'm going to make you laugh 15 times. You guy in the front, you're going to be my laugh guy. You're going to count how many times I make everyone laugh. And then when I did it open mic, like, you know, I'd tell a joke, they would, because I had my, this was like my comedy competition set I was doing. And then they would laugh. I was like, all right, that's number one. <laughs> and, and then get them to count. And I got to like 15. And then a competition came and I decided to abandon it. And I didn't Whoa. do it. And I, I think I found out I was like ninth place or something like that in the comedy competition, Hell which yeah. I didn't think I, it was in the heat. I didn't think I got in the top three because it was three really good comedians. I, I thought maybe I was like fourth or fifth, maybe. But someone saw a look at the, the marking sheet and they were like, yeah, I think you were ninth. And I was like, what? Wow. Yeah, I, I, did, I didn't agree with that. <laughs> but I still think if, I don't know if and when there will be another comedy competition, but I've still thought about doing that. That's ballsy. It is ballsy. And I thought that at the time, it's really ballsy. 
Yeah. But like, what have you got? I mean, I've, I've got ninth place anyway. So what would I like? I was like, what have you got to lose? Yeah. It's but it is ballsy because you've got to deliver on it. Mm-hmm. But I did it at the open mic and it worked. Wow. That's awesome. So maybe next time. I'll maybe next time. And you should have like a contingency joke. If you don't make it, like, what do you say? Right? You I have did to have one. I think. Oh, actually. good. Yeah. yeah. But anyway. All right. Well, wait. This has been awesome. I've really enjoyed this. It's so interesting hearing how people come up with jokes. Yours is one of the best ways. A lot of people that I talk to are like me, and they just come up with them like life situations. I don't really. I don't write anything down, which is bad. I just remember them, and then I can write in my head, and then, yeah. Just try and make sure that they're funny, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> That's the best. That's the best. But keep on doing what you're doing. I'm so excited. I can't believe you've only been doing it a year. You are honestly one of the funniest comedians here in, in Saigon. Oh, I love you, performing man. with you. And when I put on shows, you know, I organize shows. I even just on the weekend, I had feedback from someone who was like, yeah, that guy, Matt, so funny. Oh, man. Um, That's awesome. So keep doing what you're doing. Keep doing the writing, the, the way that you're doing it. And I look forward to doing a show soon. Perfect. Yeah. See you then. Awesome. Cheers. Cheers. Thank you for listening to this episode of Did That Really Happen? A new podcast from 7 Million Bikes. I've been your host, Neil Mackay. If you enjoyed that and want to hear from comedians around the world about their jokes and if they are true, then make sure to follow and subscribe from wherever you are listening from right now and follow 7 Million Bikes on social media. The links are in the show notes. Cheers. hope you enjoyed this episode if you're like me you may use your laptop at places where you have to use public wi-fi this opens you up to digital snoopers it's a massive problem it can be your internet service provider or you know who looking at what you do online or a cyber criminal trying to steal your bank passwords or credit card info or even a hacker at the next table trying to steal your sensitive data these days it is vital that you keep your data safe NordVPN keeps all of these snoopers away. It makes your internet activity private, protects you from accessing dangerous websites that are fishing for your data, and lets you enjoy your favorite content securely, even while away from home. And it's easy to use, even I could use it. I've actually been using NordVPN for years now here in Vietnam, and I'm excited to be an affiliate partner with them. I've used NordVPN to watch Netflix, BBC, Disney Plus with ease. And I also know that my information and data are safe from prying eyes, whoever they may be. Join now and you'll get 68% off and three months free when you go to my link, nordvpn.com forward slash SMB. Just again, for those hard of hearing, nordvpn.com forward slash SMB. The link is also in the show notes. I know nobody checks them out, but go check that out and you can get the link from wherever you are listening to this podcast. As an affiliate partner, it also means that I will get a small commission when you sign up, but at no extra cost to you. So not only will you be getting a great deal through 7 Million Bikes, you get a great VPN and you'll be supporting 7 Million Bikes podcast.
Stay safe online and enjoy the shows you love. Any questions, just let me know. You know how to get in touch with me. And thanks for listening to this show. Cheers.